Well, good morning, Community Church. Good morning, everybody watching online. Why don't we stand to our feet this morning as we get ready to go into the presence of our King. Let's just get ourselves ready to go into worship. Let's just begin to drop off those things right now. So, Father God, as we begin to go into worship today, to honor you, to declare you as king, to declare that you are good, to declare that you are faithful, to declare that you have all things under control. Father, right now, we just lay down those things that have been on our hearts and on our minds. We place them at the foot of the cross. And so, Lord, today, as we go into worship, we say, have your way. We invite your Holy Spirit to come and to begin to move amongst us as we worship this day. So, Father, we pray, have your way in our hearts today. So as we go into worship today, let's go there as quick as we can. Let's begin to give him our attention right now. Let's just begin to love him. Amen? Let's do this. That just went from a song to a declaration to a cry. And so right now what I want you to do is I want you to join me as we cry for our nation. So Father God, right now, that's exactly what we do. We partner with you in crying out for the nation of Canada. Father God, we ask that you would come, that you would fill this land, that you would fill this land with your love, with the knowledge of the glory of God. Father, we pray that you would fill this land right now, that you would fill each province and each territory, that you would fill each city, that right now you would fill Spruce Grove, that you would fill Stony Plain. Father, we cry out that your spirit would be known in all places, Father God, that truth would come to the forefront, that fears and lies and deception would fall to the ground. Father, we declare it right now. We join with you in this cry. We cry out for our land. We say yes to Canada. Have your way in our nation. Declare it. Declare it. Have your way, Lord. So I'm just feeling the word over Canada is the leaves of the trees are for the healing of the nations. But how can Canada step into its destiny when it is broken and it is hurting and it is wounded? So God, today I ask you come and bring healing to this nation, healing to the land, God. Oh God, that healing would come and fall in this nation. We're crying out for it. We're contending for it. We're pulling it down from heaven, God. Oh God, the nations need Canada to step into its destiny so that it can carry out what it's called to. Oh God, oh God, come and heal our land. Bring wholeness. Oh Canada, we contend for your healing right now. We contend for our personal, physical bodies. We contend for our emotional needs, God. Our healing in our bodies, in our nation. We contend for healing in the land. We contend for healing in our communities and relationships. We contend for healing from province to province, God. We're going to contend for healing for the personal and we're going to contend for everything beyond that. Oh God, we cry out for healing right now. Healing Canada. Healing Canada. So there's just this, this atmosphere that God is uh, preparing in this space right now. And it's this rendering of our hearts, this humbling of our hearts towards the nation. And, you know, we've been through this season where it's, it's very easy for our hearts to be divided. It's very easy for our hearts to be hardened. It's very easy for our hearts to be defended 
It's very easy for our hearts to be offended. And it, it feels like there's an anointing in the room, like Lindsay is praying right now, for our hearts to be broken for the nation of Canada, for our hearts to love the nation like he loves the nation. And you know, if we want to be mothers and fathers over this nation, we have to love it. Can you imagine coming into a home and saying, I want to mother your child well, but I kind of hate them. I want to love and pray for Trudeau, but I kind of hate him. I want to, I want to love and mother and father those in the nation that have different opinions than me, but I actually kind of hate them. We can't mother and father like that. This breaks the father's heart. And there's this anointing today of humbling. There's an anointing today for our hearts to be softened for this nation, to love them like a mother and father would, to love them unconditionally, to love them with a broken heart, to pour out our intercession over them, to contend for their best, to have their best interest in mind, to see beyond, to declare their destiny, to see their destiny, to contend for their spiritual DNA. That's the anointing in the room today, but it requires us to humble ourselves and be broken. It requires us to love in a way that is sacrificial, it requires us to lay down our agendas. It requires us to get low and love like Jesus loved. And that's the anointing in the room today, is that we would love this nation like he loves the nation, to pray for the nation the way he is praying for the nation, to turn our hearts towards the nation like he turns his heart towards the nation. And so, Lord, oh, whew, we just receive that anointing. In humility, in surrender, we receive that anointing. We soften our hearts, and we mother and father. Just receive that anointing today of mother and father over this nation. And yes, it will cost you. It's very, very costly. To whom much is given, much is required. But Lord, we receive the anointing of mothers and fathers over this nation. We receive this anointing. Oh Lord, let it come. Let it fill our hearts. Let it break our hearts. Let it humble us. Let it be costly. Let it be weighty. Let it shake us up. Oh Lord, show us your heart for this nation. Oh God, we pray. We turn your faces to you, O oh God. We turn our faces. We turn our faces to you. Ah, thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. There's power in unity. Things shift. Things change. And when hearts unite, God moves. And as, as, we, as we shift into the next part of our service, I'm going to ask all of you to stand. If you can't stand, that's okay. And with one voice, I've asked Miranda to lead us in the national anthem. And in one, with one voice, united, let's sing over our country.
Well, that was an amazing time of worship. I'm not sure where you're at when we go into different elements of worship, because that's what we did this morning, right? We kind of went in and out of different elements of worship, and we started out just by singing songs, and for some of us, including myself, that is an area where I feel very strong in, because I'm not really a singer, right? So as a non-singer, when somebody else is leading the way, it's easier for me to follow, right? And so I like going in that direction a bit because it's a little bit easier for me to follow. And what we did in that time was we actually declared that God would shift and change our nation. We declared that Jesus would be over the land. We sang it and sang it. I speak Jesus. I speak Jesus, right? We declared it over anxiety. We declared it over uh, depression. That's what we did through that song, right? But sometimes we get challenged to go a little bit deeper because God wants to actually go to these places of intimacy with us, right? And this is the hard part for us sometimes as churches, right? So I, nothing wrong with any church that's out there. I'm not going to say anything negative about them. But I'm going to say sometimes it's hard for us as a people to become intimate with God. And that intimacy is all of a sudden when we walk into a phase where we're actually challenged to use our own words, right? The moment is in front of us. You're standing before the king. The song is taken off the walls, right? What do I do? And Jesus says, lift up your voice. All you people, lift up your voice. Make a joyful noise. Raise up a shout. I mean, this is scriptural. This is what he's asking us to do. So I know for some of us, when we sit in the song phase, it might be hard, but it's necessary, right? It actually starts to bring us somewhere, right? We need that. We need to start somewhere so we can keep going. But for those of us that struggle sometimes when we go into that place of intercession, it's not a bad thing, right? We talked about this last week a little bit, the refining fire, And sometimes there's a refining going on inside of us, right? And all it is is when that moment arises, certain things start to come into our head. I don't really like this. It makes me a little uncomfortable. It's going a little long. It's going, it doesn't matter what's going through your mind in that moment because in that moment, let me ask you this question. Is Jesus worthy of his praise? He is 100% worthy of his praise. Regardless of the expression that's coming out at that moment, right? That's why I'm telling you, man, God has challenged me regardless of the environment I go in. If I walk into a Baptist church, I can worship Jesus. Why? Because he's worthy of praise. Anywhere we walk, we should be able to raise our voice to the king. And so today, in those moments as the worship team leads, and sometimes they sit, right, I'm going to talk a little bit more about this later on, about just relationships and connections. But when they sit, does anybody sometimes just feel a little bit of that awkwardness, right? And that awkwardness, especially for you guys, right, that are up front, you know, because you're sitting there and you get to see all the faces of the people, right? And some of the faces are, yes, Lord. And some of the faces are, I don't know what we're doing. This is going a long time. You may not say it, but let me tell you something. From up front, we can read your faces. (laughs) It's so obvious if you're tied into the message or you're not. You know, some of the smiles like, it's really good, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. We can tell what's going on. But let me tell you something. I just want to challenge you in that, right? There's just a challenge because I had to challenge myself in this. I mean, when I got saved, I went straight to Bible college, and I learned how to function in church, right? 100%, I know how to function in church. That's what they taught me. Now, I'm not going to say anything negative. I learned a lot of good things in college. But I'm telling you, there were certain things I didn't learn. And some of those things is when, you know, we get into a moment like this, and can I actually be secure in who I am? As a non-singer even, right? Right? Who somebody over here just let a little shout in the middle of it, right? I don't know. It's probably you, right? You know, it was you, was it? I can tell it was you, and she's smiling about it, right? You know, I'm not sure right in that moment what goes on. Some people like, why does that girl always shout? You know, whatever. I I reached over to Jen. I said, I want you to raise a shout. She goes, you go first. 
none of you heard me, but I did. I did a, yeah. She just started mocking me, right? But let me tell you, sometimes in church, when we see that, it's like, what is she doing? Right? She's distracting me from worship. Da, 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 da. No, 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 no. She's worshiping Jesus. Right? Church has taught us the formula. Right? I learned the formula of how I'm supposed to do this. Right? I did. And that's why when we even made a shift here, I'm telling you, it was tough. I remember having conversations with you, Nathan, right? It's tough because you come in and there is something you're used to, a structure. I wish I could take every single one of you. I'm not even preaching on this today. Right? I wish I could take every... Yes, I am. Thank you, Ben. (laughs) I wish I could take you all to another nation right now. Right? I wish I could take you to China, Japan, Africa, because it would challenge your worship style, right? It would challenge who you are as an individual, right? It would challenge how long we sit in church for, right? Brian, you've been on missions trips, right? You know, when you're sitting right beside the speakers blaring in your ear, right, for four hours, three hours, whatever it is, right? Everybody jumping and shouting and screaming. Rejoicing is what we call that. Right? It's just rejoicing. You know, I've had a lot of talk, and I know for some of you, even the flags, right? I'm, I don't know where I'm going today, but I'm going there. Right? Even the flags, I just stop. How many of you, it's just, I don't really get it. You know, yeah, yeah, people, I'm not putting my hand up. Right? But I don't want to say anything because they do it up front. I don't want to be the only person. I don't. Let me tell you something, man. He raises a banner over us. Okay? There's something about expression we're so locked into. Both ways. Right? And the one thing he's telling all of us right now, don't get locked into expression. Don't worship an expression. Worship a king. Right? And he's going to challenge your expression because there is a time when he's going to tell you to shout. There's a time when he's going to tell you to lay down on the ground. Right? There's a time he's just going to tell you to sit there and do nothing just to intercede and pray, right? But whatever the time is, our challenge is just to respond, right? To push through the fears, to push through the way you've been raised, the way I've been raised, right? It's all it is. I'm telling you, one day all of this is going to come down, every single part of it, right? And all that's going to be left is us and the king. Oh, what are we going to do then? But Vernon's sitting beside me. I don't want to yell, right? I don't want to raise my hand to the king. I'm telling you, in that moment, you will not care, right? It will not matter anymore because you're going to see Jesus. Your hands are going to be raised. Your voice is going to shout. You're going to declare things you've never declared before. Oh, man, doesn't it challenge us? Challenges me because I don't like it. Right? Derek knows me. He knows I'm a straight lady. That's how I move. I don't like to do much. It challenges my head. That's all it does. God wants to do something today, and it's different than it's ever been before. Right? And there's something inside of us that just wants certain elements, but I, I'm just, I don't even know if I can give that to you today. Because I feel like the Spirit of God is saying, I just want to fall upon a people. And I want people to see who I am. Right? And sometimes he doesn't need us speakers to do that. Right? You know, read your Bible. You can see how many times preaching happens from a mic up front. You know, he doesn't need that. He moves. That's who he is. But we got to talk about some stuff today. We do, because it's important, because the stuff is actually important. Derek actually came up to me at one point. How did you word it again? I feel like God is expanding us. Is that how you said it? God is expanding our hearts. You know, I don't always come up with a title, but the title I came up with, because Ken always asked me, I need a title, right, is I put down four expansion keys, right? You know, I feel like God is just trying to expand something in us. I put four down, but we realize this, right? There's four trillion, No, 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 no. Then times that by affinity, right? So when God is expanding our hearts, and that's what he wants to do today. Right now, he's in a phase. Right now, where you're sitting, he wants to expand your heart. He wants to expand your ministry. He wants to expand your thinking. He wants to break everything apart. 
Everything that you think is right. We talked about this in worship. Jennifer brought it up last week. The refining fire. Right? We know this. When fire comes, what does it do? It burns everything in its way. Right? There's no more room for things to be clogged up. You can breathe. And when breath is there and air is there, growth starts. I'm telling you, he wants to do something, and I feel it today. I just, more than anything I say to you, it's the Spirit of God wants to fall on this place. And the Spirit of God wants to pour some stuff into us today. He wants to build something in you right now. Like, can you feel it? I feel it for me. I'm going to take it. Right? There is something here because there always is something here. Always. There's never not. So every time you come to church, there is something here, right? Come on, you guys. There is something here right now because the King of Kings is here in this room. Right? I just want it to fall upon me. Right? I just want to declare this scripture. When you read this in the Word, right, this is just out of Job 8, 7, and Bildad is talking with Job, and actually the conversation isn't the greatest conversation, but I feel this over the body. I felt this this morning. He said these words to Job, and he said, And though your beginning was small, your latter days will be great. Oh, my goodness. I don't care what your beginnings were. We get stuck on our beginnings. Nathan, I don't care where it's at right now. But it's going to shift. It's going to change. It's going to go to places you never imagined. Because God is about to do something in each of us. Something is about to shift. Something is about to change. It's in the air. I hope you can feel it. You know, Jen brought up some stuff last week, and I thought it was so powerful, right? You know, her whole thing on extreme, that was her word, right? Extreme for their church. How many of you do that? How many of you have, like, words for the year? It's like nobody. (laughs) I know Jen does. What's your word for this year? You forgot it? Reward? Jesus, your reward. Okay, that's multiple words. All right, but it is. Okay. I thought it was so powerful. Now, I want to read something to you, right? Because she actually talked about this. There's going to be extreme demonic activity, right? And there's going to be an extreme movement of the Spirit, right? It's just going to happen. That's the way it goes. Let me read you what the Scripture says, right? Because what Jennifer's talking about, this is written right in Timothy, right? Chapter 3, 2 Timothy chapter 3. Verse 1, it says, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. Anybody feel like we're in that right now? The times are shifting. The times are changing. For men will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Who's been disobedient to their parents in here, right? Smarten up. Right? unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control. We're in a nation where self-control, it's just dropped off the map, right? Brutal, despisers of goods, traitors, headstrong, haughty. Now listen to this one because it convicts me. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness but denying its power. And from such, people turn away. Oh boy, we're going to talk about evangelism just a little bit maybe today. Let me tell you, man, people turn away from that stuff. They're never going to be drawn to it. Right? If it's not purely the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, they're walking away. Right? So when she says that, we know the times are going to change. We know demonic activities in the air. We can sense it. We can feel it. I mean, there has been an unrest for two years plus, right? We feel it. It's all around us. Facebook, it's everywhere, right? Everywhere we look. It is extreme. But we know there's going to be a shift, and we know that the Spirit of God is going to rise up. We know He's going to move. We know He's going to bring change. We know He's going to bring healing. We know He's going to bring deliverance. We know He's going to bring healing to the land, just like we declared this morning. Right? That's what He's going to do. Do you believe that? That is what He's going to do. 
right? That's his promise. He's going to do it. I have a word this year, too. It's not extreme. I've had themes maybe for a year, but I've never actually asked God, because Jen does this all the time, and I said, she always asks for a word. So God, what's a word that you would give me for this year? And I felt like the Lord said, this isn't just a word for you. This is a word personally and corporately, right? And the word that I got is infusion. Yeah. Infusion, right? That there is going to be something deposited into us as individuals, right? And that's all I want to touch on today is there's four areas today that I felt God highlighted to me. Like I say, there's four billion, four trillion, whatever. Areas where I know he actually wants to do something. Because I feel it, and I don't know if you feel it, but we're in a season of expansion. Did you feel it? We shouldn't be. It's supposed to be the opposite, right? But we're actually in a season of expansion right now. I couldn't get Nehemiah off my mind a couple days ago. It's time to build. It's time to build. But you know what the Lord said to me? We're not building a physical structure. We're building the temple. You're building this. Right here. And I heard him say, it's time to build. Right? Right now. It's time to build. In here. What's going on in you? It's time to build. Right? He doesn't want you staying where you're at. It's time to build. Right? Wherever you're at today, it's time to build. Right? This is what he wants to do. So I'm going to talk about these four areas. i got a little bit of time. I'll probably get stuck on one because you guys know how I'm bent. But I felt one area that he wanted to inject something into us is in the whole area of discipleship and evangelism. Two words. I specifically said them because you know what? Sometimes people hate those words. They do. Especially evangelism. Right? There's something inside of us, not all of us, There's something in us that doesn't always like these words, and I'm going to say this, because there's some old school mindsets that need to be broken, right? There's old school mindsets about pastors that need to be broken. I'm telling you, it's almost like we got so annoyed at the pastors, we wanted them all out of here, but they're necessary, right? I'm saying that because I'm a pastor too, right? It's kind of important. But let me say something, right? Discipleship and evangelism, maybe we just need to change the word. to loving people, to caring for people, right? Caring about their eternal destiny, caring about their education in the Lord, not wanting to leave them at the very bottom of the pool, but wanting to raise them up, no different than raising your kids up. That's what we're talking about, right? I think we've missed it. You know, remember the days of Sunday school? That was our discipleship programs. Where did that go? We got bored of it. Wasn't enough. People didn't want to come. Because we were missing something, right, Gord? It wasn't strictly about the teaching, even though the teaching is huge. Isn't it? We need to teach. That's why we come here every Sunday. This is a form of discipleship right here. Every Sunday that Mark comes or we have a speaker come, like Jennifer, it's a form of discipleship. Right? Discipleship is happening every day. Do we realize right now that our nation is being discipled? Do you hear that? By who? Great question, Gord. Right? Great question. You know, I looked up something the other day. I want to just bring the meaning up. Everybody know the term relativism? Right? Paul? Let, Let me read this to you, right? Because let me tell you something. This is what is being spread around our nation. Everywhere, right now. Our nation is being discipled from the top down right now, right? And these are the very things that are being poured into our nation, right? So let's listen to this. It says, the doctrine that knowledge, truth, and morality exist in relation to culture, society, or historical context, and are not absolute. Wow. Your truth, God, is your truth, Your truth is right, regardless of what you... I mean, this is being preached everywhere. They're discipling us down to the youngest kids that are around right now. 
So let me tell you something. Discipleship needs to be infused into every single one of us in this room. We may do it with our kids, but God is calling you to go beyond just your kids, right? We need to be discipling down. Me and Mark have talked about this so much. Sometimes we like discipleship here because that's where we're at. But, I mean, God is raising up mothers and fathers in this body, and we have to start at every level of discipleship, right? One form of it is the teaching. We have to do that, right? We have to do it. But you know what? I, I just spent the last three days, and all I did was I kept reading and reading and watching and saying, you know what? There is one ultimate method of discipleship, and Jesus modeled it. I mean, I, I just, watch what he did, and this is, this is the clincher, right? Because it's not about a five-step program. It's not necessarily about Sunday school, even though those things are important, right? But Jesus was fully invested. He slept with these guys. Think about that. He wasn't going to meet them once a week for 30 minutes or an hour. I mean, he slept with these guys. He ate with these guys. He taught the word with these guys. He knew their good habits. He knew their bad habits. He knew who snored and didn't snore. He joked with them. He had fun with them. He fully had relationship with these guys. He modeled to us. He was fully invested into the lives of these individuals. Everything was given to them because he knew there was a greater purpose. He could do this not because it was work, not because it was duty, because he knew there was a greater purpose, that he was going to raise 12 people who were going to raise others, who were going to preach the gospel. And the gospel was going to be spread everywhere. He knew this so he could do it, guess what? With joy. We do it with, oh my goodness, this is so awkward. It's the same with evangelism, right? I'm sorry if I touch some things here right now, but I'm going to touch it because I think it's necessary, right? I think sometimes, you know, we have written off evangelism and we have actually spiritualized why we can do that. I'm sorry. I'm going to say it. But let me say something. Evangelism is essential. There's no growth. This church is dead in 40 years if we don't evangelize, right? There'll be nobody here. Our nation will go to pot. Evangelism is so important. It's not much different. Again, let's throw out the word evangelism. Can we invest ourselves in the lives of people? Can we love people? Can we walk with people? Right? Jesus did roughly four things, and and this you can write down if you want to. I don't care. Just get it in your head. But he did it through teaching. He did it through practical experiences. Right? It wasn't just about sitting in the room and teaching. He went outside with these guys. Right? Practical experiences with these guys. Right? Connection and accountability. Let me tell you something. We preach on this a lot, but Jesus spoke certain ways sometimes to the disciples, right? Get out of here, Satan. But let me tell you this. He had the right to speak into their lives. Why? Because he had relationship. He had relationship. When he spoke, they listened. They listened to what he had to say, which is so important for us to get. Right? It's about relationship, and God is going to challenge some things, and he's going to challenge them today because I want to talk about why we don't do this. Right? Three things. Fear. Busyness. And sometimes it's just pure awkwardness. Right? Three things that get in the way of us actually discipling and doing the things of the Lord. Right? What things have we valued more? than the mission of our king. We gotta ask ourselves that question. I had to ask myself this question the other day. What do I value more than the mission of the king, right? Why am I so busy and what am I busy with? And is this really more important than this or this or this, right? Busyness is one, but I wanna talk to you about this whole thing called fear. Man, oh man, oh man, I told Jen I wanted to do something today. I don't know if I'll do it. You know what I wanted to do? I wanted to actually partner you up with people right in this room that you don't know at all. And I wanted you to spend a full minute with them just asking them 
about them, right? Should we do it? Oh my goodness, some of you want to do this. Jen, you didn't say that was going to happen. Okay, we're going to do it at the end when we're done because of our online viewers. Oh, do any of you feel that right now? Did you feel that? I felt it. Did you feel that, Mel? Oh, yeah. She's like, oh, yes, I sure did. I can't wait for that moment, right? Let me tell you something. You got something to say? Okay, come on. Joel's always got something to say. So can I just say that, you know, Chris isn't just talking, he's walking. That there's guys like me and Paul that are here because of Chris. That when we were at a crossroads in our life, when there was a fork in the road, that Chris Bannis had Matt Breezebois and I over to his house as 17-year-olds every Tuesday for a year. And when a lot of my friends turned to drinking and kind of took a certain fork in the road, I was in Chris's basement sleeping on a couch. <laughs> okay, he, he, he literally walks this out. And I just want to honor you, Chris. Because there's, there's people here today because of you. I promise you, I did not pay him to do that. I did not pay him to do that. Let me tell you what happened last week, all right? Can I do that? Okay, I teach in the schools, right? And the reason I teach in the schools is because I believe we need to break things off the students in our community because the next generation is our church. I don't care how old I am, right? If we don't pour into that generation, we're done. We're doomed. It's over, right? We have to pour into these guys. And so... I was teaching a grade nine class, and the whole chapter is on connections, how to connect with people, how to talk with people, how to have relationships. And so I did exactly that. I said, this is what we're going to do today, is I'm going to partner you up with somebody in this classroom that you don't really know, and you're going to spend a full minute, you're just going to find out how many things you have in common. And then we're going to do two other. Simple little tasks, right? That's all I did. And right away, I just looked at everybody. I said, how are we doing? <laughs> and you could see it in the room, right? You could just feel it in the room. I'm like, how many of you are just totally freaked out right now? 75% of the hands are in the air, right? I'm like, what are you so freaked out about? Awkwardness, fear, insecurities, right? All that stuff that pops up. So I made them do this. I split them up. I partnered them up with different people, and I said, you got one minute, and I love doing this. And when we do this at the end, I'm going to watch you guys because it's so much fun just to watch the pure awkwardness that is going to arise, right? It arose in the room, 100%. It was there, right? I am watching it. I can see it on these kids. I could just see they were dying, right? It's like, oh, 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 oh. I'm like, come on. Spit it out. Say something, right? I'm watching this, but you could feel it in the room. So I waited about 45 seconds. I said, okay, how many of you are absolutely dying? Still 60%, right, at least. Because I got to say this. There were some leaders in the room. No question about it, right? Some leaders who all of a sudden just started to lead the way. Did not let fear arise at all. They came against that fear, right? And they just started speaking and asking questions. Here's what I want to bring out. Okay, Because that invisible thing in the room, think about this right now. In that room, and I challenge the kids with that, that invisible thing that controls them in that moment, that fear that is about to keep them from even connecting with somebody for one minute because they're so overwhelmed by awkwardness and fear, it rises up to the point where anxiety kicks in and they want to shut down, and they want to run, and they want to get out of the room. Let me tell you, it's the very same thing that rises up in the church. We just spiritualize it, and then we don't have to do it. It's called fear, 100%, and there's only one way to overcome it, and this is what I challenge these kids with. One way to overcome it, you're going to do it again. The next one, guess what you're going to do now? You're just going to teach them something new. Right? And then I'll give them another exercise. 
By the time we're done, they've moved from, you know, probably 75% to still 40% are struggling with it, right? But let me tell you something. There is an invisible realm that controls us. There is an invisible realm that is holding us back from actually shifting and changing our nations, right? That invisible realm is fear. It's fear that holds us back. It's fear of the awkwardness. I don't know how to deal with that personality. Therefore, I'm not an evangelist. I'm not this. I'm I'm telling you something, folks. The season is upon us that none should perish. None. It's upon us. Right? You want to see things change? Let me tell you. This is how they change. Right? We cannot expect unbelievers to think like Christians. You cannot expect that. I'm sorry. That has to shift right now because that falls right back on you and I. We are meant to bring shift and change into their lives. We are his hands and feet. We are meant to have relationship with them. We are meant to bring them to the knowledge, to introduce them to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Because when he gets their heart, what happens? The same thing that happened to you and me. You want change in your nation? Be part of the solution. So God, right now, I pray that you would bring an infusion of discipleship. Come on, if you don't want it, fight that right now. Because that is a spiritual attack right now. That's spiritual warfare, right? An infusion of discipleship, an infusion of evangelism, an infusion of just loving people that are in front of us, beside us. Doesn't matter where we are. Guess what, folks? The environment doesn't get to dictate whether we declare the gospel or not. We've allowed environments to dictate when we will release our faith or when we'll hold it in. God is saying that us to stop. What's more important? Let me read a scripture to you. We all know this one, Hebrews 5.12. I know I told you New King James. This is out of the English Standard Version, right? I'm not really focused on this whole scripture. I'm focused on the first part, but I'm going to read it all. For, for though by this time you ought to be teachers... You need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. I'm not focused on that. I'm focused on the very first part. For though by this time you ought to be teachers. He is speaking to every single one of us in this room. We are called to teach. We are called to disciple. We are called to walk with somebody. God, bring an infusion in us right now. Let it be so in Jesus' name. Come on, let's come against that fear for a second. We come against the fear that actually restricts us from declaring the gospel of Jesus Christ. We come against that fear that keeps us from even talking to people in this room who sit in different areas. God, we come against that fear that wants to control and wants to own us. No more in Jesus' name, right? Okay, we are not here to just raise our kids in the next generation. We are here to raise communities, cities, provinces, and nations. That's the call of the church. And it's just not from doing it on Facebook. That's easy. Too easy. Right? We're going to have to be in front of the people the same way Jesus was. Okay, I've got to give some scripture because I've got to back this up, right? Of course I do. Matthew 28, 18 to 20, we all know this one. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. This is our call, right? I mean, we can run into Matthew 5, 14 to 16. It says, and he's talking to everybody here too, right? You are the light of the Worlds, 100%. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they can see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. They need to see it. You need to love them. If you don't love them, figure it out, and we're going to get there. Because there is a way to get to that point where love is actually inside of us, right? That's another thing we need infused inside of us, the love of God, okay? Running out of time, so I'm going to go a little faster on these other ones. The second thing I felt, and we're just going to pray into this one shortly too, is an infusion of boldness. They're linked, right? Of course they are. They're all linked together, 
We need an infusion of boldness. And I'm not just talking about boldness for discipleship and evangelism, right? So scripture in the word, it says this. It says in the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by actions, is dead, right? We love to take the scripture and we'll fit it into whatever is most important to us. But here's the reality. It's for all of them, okay? It's for every single one of them. So we need a boldness when it comes to praying. Man, we hammer that one as a church. There's a reason. It's your lifeline to the king. We're actually told to pray always, right? That's what we're told to do. Prayer is speaking to the Father above. Why wouldn't we want to do that? And God is challenging us. He's challenging me to pray with boldness, right? He's challenging us to love with boldness, right? I'm not just going to go drop something on someone's door and run away and think, I did something nice. No, I'm going to knock on their door. I'm going to meet them, and I'm going to talk to them. I'm actually going to get into that house, and I'm going to push myself to go beyond my boundaries. I'm even going to try to have a relationship with them and pray that God will do as the Scripture says, be ready to give a word. Be ready to give an answer in that time because it will happen, right? It will happen because he says it will. God, give us a boldness to serve. Give us a boldness to care. Give us a boldness in how we walk and talk to people, right? We need a boldness in all these areas because guess what? God is expanding everything. He's not just expanding one thing. He is expanding everything, everything, everything. So come on, right now, I want you to stand to your feet real quick because this is a big one. I'm not done. We got two more, right? I'm not done yet, but I'm telling you something. This is it. I need to get you guys going a bit because here's where it is. We're tuning out because one of the biggest things that sometimes gets in the way, right? I had this all week is this, right? My distraction tank was filled to the max. My focus tank was way down here, right? Anybody gone through that recently? You know, you're just trying to dial in on something, but the distraction tank is just so filled up, right? God is saying, no, 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 no. I want to kill that tank, right? I want it gone. I want that focus tank. I want you focusing on me, right? This is one of the greatest deceptions there is, right? Is distraction. It is. What do you do with your time all day? We should all just write it down. It's one of the greatest tools he uses. So place your hand on your heart. Father, right now, for each of us in this room, right now, I pray for an infusion of boldness. Boldness, God. Boldness when we're in church to pray. A boldness when we're at work to declare the love of Jesus. A boldness to love people. A boldness when we're in the bank. A boldness when we're at the superstore. A boldness wherever we are just to love people, to care for people, to serve a boldness, God, that we won't just do this out of duty. It will become part of who we are. In fact, we will have joy in whatever it is that we're called to do. Grab a seat, because here's the third one. Okay, I'm going to go a little faster now, right? The third one, and some of you aren't going to like this, but the third area I just feel he wants to bring an infusion is into your capacity, right? Into your capacity. What you carried yesterday will not seem heavy anymore. I'm just going to declare that over you right now. Okay? What you carried yesterday will not seem heavy anymore because he's building your capacity right now. I can feel it in the room. If you let him, he will build that capacity. Right? He will do it. He'll go deeper in the Lord, go he is building your capacity. That's what he wants to do. He does not want you staying where you're at. Don't get into the place where you want to stay where you're at. This is comfortable. I like it. No. Apathy. Right? Build our capacity, Lord. So I wrote this down. I want to read it. Just seeing what I want to read. Okay, I believe it's going to build our capacity personally, our ability to carry more, to not be overwhelmed, to not be stressed and anxious. Oh, where's Matt? Matt, you willing? Just to bring a little bit? Come on, come here quick. Okay, as he's coming up, the other thing is corporately too, I see us caring more in the community, ministering to the lost, training and equipping, praying, fasting. The Lord's only, I feel this, 
The Lord's only starting to prepare us for what's about to come. We're learning how to fast because we're actually going to have way more to fast for coming up. Right? He's going to actually start to reveal more things to our hearts as we fully get in line with him. And part of it's going to be, I need you to fast for this. I need you to fast for this. Okay? I just wanted you to share that little testimony you shared with me. Okay. Being up here is not my favorite. Uh, yeah, I'm like my littlest where when we sang happy birthday to him, he cried. Cause <laughs> so... Uh, this is has to do with the comfort story and how um, many of you know I used to come to the church all the time and I, I left because I wanted to pursue comfort. I thought, I'm just going to take a long experiment and only do things that I'm good at and that I'm comfortable with and see if how that makes me feel. And uh, it worked for a while. <laughs> it was like, I found success in happiness. I was joyful. I loved what I was doing. I was growing in work. My finances all worked out. And, um, and then last year, when things were seemingly at their very best, uh, I suddenly had this pit of anxiety all the time. And the last time I spoke in front of people was at my brother-in-law's wedding. And uh, I basically cried. <laughs> so it wasn't fun. <laughs> um, but yeah, everyone who knows that pit of anxiety feeling, it's like a black hole that sucks joy and hope out. And it made no sense because everything was right. Um, my relationship with my wife was perfect. Uh, but I had this hunch that if I went back to church it would go away. And this was Easter last year. So I did, and I came back because I had this feeling it would be uncomfortable. <laughs> and, and it was, even on the way to church today, Val was telling me how she's, she's not looking forward to this, where this, she has to go talk to lawyers because they're going to speak lawyer jargon and make her uncomfortable. And I said, that's how I feel about church. <laughs> they speak church jargon and make me uncomfortable. <laughs> but that doesn't mean it's not very important and that there's not something very real here. Wow. Uh, but yeah, the end of the story is it was right. It, immediately, the anxiety never came back. And it's wow. been almost a year now. Um, I'm asking him if this is fun being up here, right? Because not only, you know, did he obey the Holy Spirit, came back to church, and he saw the benefits of it, right? But even this moment right now is exactly what we're talking about. He actually chose to not allow a fear to own him, right? Yeah. That fear could have. He could have said no, right, and refused to do it. This is the very thing we're doing in our journey, right? Is we're breaking that fear by doing exactly what he did, right? We're going to steamroll over the enemy here, right? Amen? Thank you, buddy. So do I have a scripture for capacity? Yeah, we're going to do greater things than he did, right? So, I mean, that capacity, it's endless, absolutely endless. Here's the last one, right, because our time's still ticking. Oh, man, this one blew me away because as I prayed, I was like, really? This one right here? How does this work, right? It's going to be a joy infusion. Joy. joy. Spell it with J-O-Y. I feel like there is a joy infusion coming, and there's more to this, right? Think about this, right? As we begin to align ourselves with the Father, joy is going to be a byproduct of it, right? It's just, let me read scripture to you. This is great. This is not just for our church, by the way. I felt this so strong. It's not just joy for our church. Have you noticed in community there's a lack of joy? Go to Superstore, right? Wow, I don't want to be there for more than five minutes. Go on Facebook. I'm off in one. I mean, there is a lack of joy in our communities. There's a lack of joy everywhere, right? This joy is not just for the church. The joy is for the communities. The joy is for the nation, right? That joy is meant for everyone, Right? We want that joy everywhere. 
We don't get to hoard the joy. Right? Now some of us say, I don't even have the joy. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm going to help you with that, right? A little bit. Okay, Scripture, right? We all know this one. Galatians 5, 20 to 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. No limit. Anybody feel awkward now with Cam yelling? <laughs> Good. Maybe there's a test for you right now. Okay? When the Spirit is the main driving force in your life, right? Think about this. When the Spirit, you heard that, right? But the fruit of the Spirit. When the Spirit is the main driving force. Get this. We've read this scripture a billion times. If I just pray more, no. But the, the fruit of the Spirit being in us, owning us, every part of us. Right? I'm just waiting for the joy. Well, there is a, there's something we need to do. We need to be in the Spirit. Right? If we're in the Spirit, we can have this love I'm talking about. You will love people you've never loved. It's just going to come because you're in the Spirit. And He will feed something into you you never knew that even existed. Right? That peace where there's no peace. That kindness, that goodness, that faithfulness, that joy. That joy. If you do not have joy, let me tell you something. It's coming. There's going to be an infusion of joy into your lives. Because we are going to purposely align ourselves with the Spirit of God. We're not going to stop there. We're going to get it. This is why we push some of this stuff, I know. But we're here for an hour and a half, and people are like, all they do is this, 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 this. This has got to be a life journey. God's trying to bring us to the point where every moment of every day, he is the main focus. You know, I, I just was fighting this all morning and yesterday. I don't know if any of you do this, but I'm telling you, it's so easy to go out of the Spirit. I mean, even prepping. I'm just sitting there, and I feel, I could just feel the revelation. I could hear things coming, and all of a sudden, blunk. Whoa, where did I just turn? Right? Five hours go by. Four days go by. Right? He is calling us to be in the, where did my joy go? Your joy is still there. It is still there, but it's in the spirit. Now, let me tell you this, too, because here is the clincher, right? Psalm 63, 6 and 7 says this. For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. Okay, here's what we're called to do. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. We are meant to cling to him. Come on, get that in you. I'm sorry if it seems like work. It's got to get to the point where it's not. You know why? Because you're so in love with him. Like yeah. Ben and Jenna, right? That whole concept when you love some Well, is it, maybe it is work sometimes being with Ben, right? You know, but we want it. To, yes. Okay. We're going to pray for this. I've got to read a scripture first, though, I think. God, I pray for an infusion of joy right now. To fall upon your people right now. The ones in the room even that are rejecting it and saying, I don't want joy. I'm not that kind. Yes, you are. You need to be. Right? You need the joy of the Lord. So, God, right now, I pray for an infusion of joy to fall upon your body right now, Father God. Let it fall. Let it fall into the hearts, God. Let all this tension begin to fade. Why? Because we're in it with you. We don't have to worry about nothing. In fact, we get a joy in everything we do. Everything. When we come to prayer, we have a joy. Because we're doing it for you. When we evangelize, we have a joy because we're doing it for you. It's not work anymore. Because it's in here. He's rebuilding the temple. Oh, man. That's what he's doing right now. He's building the temple. He's building you up. Right? We heard the refining fire. He is doing that for a reason. Because he's not going to leave you where you are. He's trying to bring you somewhere. And that's what he wants, man. Okay, last thing and then we're done, I think. Jen talked about walking in the light a little bit last week, and I feel this right now, and I know I've touched on it, but this freedom from fear, the freedom from stress and anxiety. Freedom from having to carry invisible weight. Right? That's what I actually felt it was, right? A heaviness that won't let up. Right? So I'm not going to read Matthew 11, but we know what it says. It says, come to me, those who are weary. But I want to read 2 Corinthians to close here, just parts of it. 
it says, blessed be the God and Father. I'm in uh, chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Not only are we going to be comforted by him. Did you hear that? Not only are we going to be comforted by him, but in fact, we're going to be able to comfort others. Because it's never just about you. He does not want it to end there. You get your comfort, then you go and you comfort others. We're back to discipleship. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. And I want to flip over to verse 8, and it says this. This is really powerful, actually. Really just listen to this, because I know for some of us there's a lot going on, okay? So this is expressing a situation, and then who our king is once again. For we do not want to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure. Anybody felt burdened beyond measure? Above strength, so that we despaired even of life. That's being burdened almost at the highest level. Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us, in whom we trust that he will still deliver us. That is who he is. Don't we sing a song like that? That's who you are, something like that, right? Okay, I have a great story for you. And actually, this may have been a crowning moment for Chris. So as you can imagine, it was a very interesting experience for me. So Chris is talking about this idea of like, caring for others and moving into their lives and discipling them and loving them well. And so I'm just really trying to practice that with my neighbors. And so we have these new neighbors move in and I I do this thing where like, if I'm trying to remember their names, I come up with like something to relate to them. So like, hey, Bob with the black shirt. Bob is a black shirt, right? Okay. So anyway, I meet this neighbor and I memorize his name. Um, and every time I see him, I'm just like, hey, Duncan, hi, Duncan, hey, hi, 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 like all the time, just hi, Duncan, hey, Duncan. So about a year into us being neighbors with him, we are walking up the steps after church one Sunday, and I'm just feeling like I'm winning at the neighboring game. Like, I know all these people's names. I've been so friendly. We're building relationship, winning, winning. And so we're walking up the stairs, and Chris is like, hey, buddy. And I'm like, you don't even use his name. And I'm like, hey, Duncan. And he, he turns and he yells at me. And he's like, you have been calling me Duncan for a year. My name is Malcolm. <laughs> and Chris is like... <laughs> Because I'm always bragging about how good I am at this, you know. Okay. <laughs> I just loved it. He went in and he just gloated. Ah. Okay. So for one year, I called someone <laughs> by the wrong name. But we got over it. And I learned his name. It's Malcolm. <laughs> And so in a minute, you're going to be dismissed. He has a few things to say, but in a minute, you're going to be dismissed, and you get to actually live out this challenge. And you might call someone by the wrong name, or you might not do this very well, or you might feel awkward, or you might not feel very anointed, or etc., etc., etc. But God will help you, and you will survive it, like I did. <laughs> Malcolm and I are in a competition now to see who can shovel the other person's walk first. We've, cro- we've crossed into something. Just because I didn't want fear ruling my heart. It still tries every day. Every day. 
In those moments when I hear the Holy Spirit say something and that fear, you know it. It rises up, right? I just want that done. But there's one way to do it. And so I'm going to ask this. Miranda, I don't know what you're going to sing here, but just for the, the, the last minute or two here, okay? I just want us to go in the Spirit. Because here's the reality, is when the Spirit is in here, we can do this. We can do all these things, right? We can't wait to come to church to do this. We got to get in the Spirit every morning, every evening, midday if we're struggling, right? Because that's the reality. That's what the scripture says. The fruit of the spirit is all that. So just stand to your feet right now. We're going to say goodbye to our online viewers. Just pray the blessing of the Lord upon you this day. Even in your own home right now, I would challenge you. Put some worship music on maybe. And just see if you can get in the spirit for a bit. I'm telling you, man, when we learn to actually go to that place and be in the spirit, Everything will shift. And I, see, I feel for some of us, it's just there's a frustration because we can't seem to get in there. But the option is not quitting. Right? The option is getting around others who can get there. Letting others disciple you. Let others train you in this. Because that is where we need to be so we can do everything else. All right? Amen?